We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the fans what is going on welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace on pacerstalk.net i'm your host for today's show alex golden and joined as always by my lovely guest the one and only michael j Fachi. Fachi, what's up alex how could i be in a bad mood when the pacers are riding a winning streak three straight winners of six of seven i love it Absolutely. So we are recording this segment of the show at 6.45 before the Pacers do play the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will recap that game on this episode, though. All you got to do is just go to the back half of the show and you can catch it there. We will put the minutes in the description once we record that part and get it uploaded. But right now we're going to recap that four-game spell from last week. We had the loss to the Hornets and then three straight wins against the Wizards, Pistons, and Magic. I'm going to give a little thoughts on... That whiz, or that Hornets game, uh, it was a game the Pacers should have won. It's a game they should not have lost. Uh, they gave up a 20-2 run in the second quarter, and they gave up a 20-5 run in the fourth quarter. Now, everybody looked at that foul disparity and said, oh, my gosh, 42-7. to Like, trust me, I totally get that. That's a little bit funky. You don't usually see that. But at the end of the day, when you give up a 20-2 run and a 20-5 run and for about 
that five to six minute stretch, whatever that was, maybe it was, I think it was actually almost a whole entire quarter once I looked at it, uh, about 11 minutes, something, there was like three foul shots shot during that time. So I don't want to hear it. I mean, that's an inexcusable loss. There was no Sabonis, no Miles Turner, no Sumner, no Oladipo. They still had Jeremy Lamb. T.J. Warren was pretty much perfect from the field, and uh, Brogdon played lights out. It's just foul trouble, foul trouble, foul trouble, and you can say what you want about the foul disparity, but in my opinion, you play better defense. You weren't getting called for fouls during those runs. You stopped this game, and you probably won by double digits. Fachi, I'll let you recap if you want. Yeah, we honestly wasted an unbelievable game for T.J. Warren. I think at one point he was like 15 of 16. I mean, it, it was an amazing game. That that free throw disparity, we talked about it before. It's I haven't seen something like that in quite some time. But obviously the Pacers, they, they let up. They had their foot on the gas for a while, and they let up. I mean, they played a, a very, very rough fourth quarter in that game. And then at the end in overtime, the foul called on Jakar Sampson was – horrible and it's not to say that cost us the game because the Pacers played sloppy but that was that ended the game and that was a pretty rough pill to swallow well and unfortunately uh the Pacers had to play on a back-to-back with no Jeremy Lamb the next night but they welcomed in the Washington Wizards and got the win there Fachi your Wizards went down to the R Indiana Pacers so can you recap that game for us yeah sure they will never be my Washington Wizards I have to start by that but the Pacers had seven players in double figures. Sabonis, you know, 17 rebounds, seven assists. He has been moving the ball unbelievably lately. But I got to give credit to Mick Buckets. I felt Dougie like he came unreal. out hot that game, and it was all the difference. He had 19 points. I feel like that seemed more impressive because we had been waiting all season for a game like that from him. And just. It was the difference maker. The bench came alive, and the Wizards stood no chance. In the end, despite all of our injuries, the Pacers walk out with a 15-point victory, and it was just a win that you didn't have to have it, but it was great to see that win given the lack of depth. No, you had to have that win, Fachi. The Washington Wizards are terrible. You can't lose that game at home after you just blew a game against the Hornets. They had to get that win back. Um, you know, Goga goes out there with a concussion that game, I believe. And was did he play that game? I can't remember. I thought he did. No, went out uh, Goga did. Goga did. That's the game yeah. where we found out that he got concussed. Yeah, so Man. that's the game that Goga got hurt. We haven't seen him in the three game or the other two games. So Goga was a part of that three game winning streak. But Aaron Holiday got the start with Jakar Sampson. Uh, it was a interesting game to say the least. I was really pleased by the play of the bench, but especially McDermott. That dude was on fire that game. I mean, he couldn't be stopped, and the Wizards went to a little bit of a zone there, a 2-3 zone in the second quarter, and McBuckets was like, seriously? <laughs> You're going to let a zone try to guard me? Like, have you guys seen me shoot before? I mean, we know Home McDermott is not as good as Road McDermott, but Home McDermott was unbelievable in this game, and I absolutely loved his play. So that was a huge win, and it was nice to get Sabonis back from injury, like you mentioned, Fachi. Just another staple mm-hmm. to this Starting lineup, we have to have that center in there because if we have no Goga, no Turner, or no Sabonis, that means you're starting TJ Leaf and then having to play Alizé Johnson, a backup center, and that's a recipe for disaster. Uh, shout out to Alizé. Got his first basket on the season in that game. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh, but also, I got to point out, Aaron Holiday's first career start in that game, and he delivered 18 points. It was very efficient shooting the ball. And I'm going to point this out. 
Pacers haven't lost with Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup. Yeah, you've seen it's, my tweets, haven't you? I have. I have. It's a great <laughs> video that I think you can just keep pumping out because I do think the Pacers get the win tonight. We'll cover that later. But, hey, we haven't looked back 3-0 with Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup. Double figures in two of those games scoring. Well, things could have not gotten much worse for Aaron Holiday following that game going against the Detroit Pistons. He does get the start, but he goes 2 of 7 with just six points, and the guy breathing down his neck all season long, T.J. McConnell, goes off for 17 points off the bench, nine assists, and five rebounds in 22 minutes, and was 8 of 10 from the field. This was when we started seeing the bench kind of find a rhythm, find a little groove. Uh, McDermott had 14 off the bench, Justin Holiday had 16, and believe it or not, Fachi, believe it or not, the Indiana Pacers outscored the Detroit Pistons bench. Wait for it, 51 you ready for it? I'm ready. 51 to 28. So they just manhandled that bench. Now, we know that Detroit was a little bit depleted there. So in all honesty, you know, I absolutely love the games we've seen from TJ McConnell as of lately. But the question right now is when Jeremy Lamb comes back, who gets those backup minutes? Is it going to be Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, and TJ McConnell, or TJ McConnell? Who's going to get those backup guard minutes? Right now, T.J. McConnell is playing great basketball. He's going to get the point guard. Who's going to get the shooting guard, though, is what I'm asking. I think Justin Holiday is going to take a hit on some of the minutes because right now Aaron Holiday well, – no, listen, from a defensive standpoint, he's he's played great. But I don't know if he's going to be getting all 30 minutes you know, that he played in a game like that against the Pistons. I, I think Aaron Holiday is going to take a hit also. But Aaron Holiday, for, for what we've seen – this three-game stretch out of him has been pretty good. He, he struggled shooting the ball there, two of seven. But he also rebounded well with six, five assists, which for him, that, that's that's good. I mean, there's a lot of games he comes out there has like one assist. So I thought the ball well, movement was pretty good. But to touch on McConnell real quick, over his last seven games, he has 35 assists to just five turnovers. That's unreal, man. I mean, it really McConnell, is. he's not losing that backup point guard spot. He's and not. Then, you know, Sumner's out with the injury. Oladipo's out with the injury. Lamb's out with the injury. So Aaron Holiday is getting minutes. Now, Justin Holiday has actually been playing a lot of small ball power forward. Him and McDermott have been out there quite a bit together. I'm interested to see what they do because when fully healthy without Oladipo, you know the starting lineup is going to be Brogdon, Lamb, Warren, Turner, and Sabonis. But that backup second unit, which we've talked about all year, you're you're going to have to figure it out because I don't think T.J. McConnell's losing his spot. McDermott's not losing his and then it's pretty much between Aaron Holiday and Edmund Sumner for the backup two position at this point. And we know McMillan has been favoring Sumner all season long, so I don't really think he'll lose his spot once he's healthy. And then looking at that center position, it's going to be Goga, and then you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to play Justin Holiday at the four? Are you going to play Jakar Sampson? Are you going to play TJ Leaf, Alizé Johnson? I mean, there's 13 guys on this team, Fachi, without Oladipo, and all of them are really worth – getting some some look at the rotation besides T.J. Leaf. There are a lot of mouths to feed, and right now injuries have been able to help this team You know, with the next step up mentality, the next guy having to step up. It's allowed guys to play more minutes, but I think this, this injury to Edmund Sumner is coming at a really rough time because Aaron Holiday, I think, is trying to do the, the most to take advantage of it. 
And I think as of right now, he's still on a short leash. I think. I think if Holiday struggles uh, and you know Lamb comes back, I, I think he is going to lose minutes right yeah. there because obviously Lamb is not going to be someone who's just not going to play or play only 10, 15 minutes. That's not going to happen. Right. So I think Holiday's making the most of it now. I think Sumner right now we know Nate likes Sumner a lot, but it, it's a poor time to have that injury, and he could be the odd man out at, at, at times. Well, here's what I think McMillan will do. I think he's going to ride that hot hand. I think he's going to stay with the three I think veterans. So. I think he's going to go with McConnell, Justin Holliday, Doug McDermott. And when Goga's back healthy, I think he'll be getting the center position. And I honestly think you could just see a nine-man rotation. But the way Jakar Sampson has played, filling in at the power forward position for Miles Turner with that injury, playing next to Sabonis in the front court, it'd be hard-pressed not to give him a, a fair chance to get those backup four minutes, which I think could leave the young guys... On the outside looking in, I think that there is a real possibility that Aaron Holiday, Edmund Sumner, Alizé, and TJ Leaf could be on the outside looking in. And I know that's crazy to say, but you got to roll the hot hand, and there's chemistry between these veterans, and I wouldn't change it right now. Honestly, Jakar Sampson's playing well. He's playing well right now, and given the lack of depth, Jakar Sampson's been big for this team. I mean, he's had a couple couple games like against Washington where he scored 14. Now, that was great to see. But it's just the hustle. It, it's like when you don't have unlimited bigs where coming into the year, it looked like we did have a bunch of bigs. Jakar Sampson was someone that the Pacers needed. And I, I think he's given quality minutes. So I do think that they can't just phase him out of the lineup compared to T.J. Leaf, who he had a big game you know, uh, a while ago against the Bulls. Like 15 and 13, and then he came out flat after that. And I think that that's definitely going to be the guy who's really taking a big hit minute-wise. Yeah, I definitely think T.J. Leaf is going to have to really earn his minutes back, and I don't really think there's going to be much opportunity for him to do that, Fachi. But lastly, I want to recap this Magic game. The, The Pacers beat the Magic after pretty much getting dominated offensively in the first half, but that Third quarter was just unreal. You got contributions from everywhere. What did you like about that Magic game? Uh, Just as you talked about, that first half was not good, but the Pacers came out cooking in that third quarter. They scored the first 12 points of that quarter, and they were down nine at the half. Orlando was shooting 55%, and the Pacers came out and really set the tone in in the second half. And what we didn't touch on, on the last few games, the Pacers have won the rebounding battle dating back to the Nets game. So that's seven games where the Pacers have not been out-rebounded in a row after the 0-3 start. Yep, and the turnover battle is something that the Pacers have won in six of seven games lately. So they've really made some changes. Those have been two keys. But in that Orlando Magic game, what's actually gone under the radar is that game set an NBA record for fewest free throws attempted in the game with just 11. So... Both teams weren't oh, yeah. getting the line. crazy. It really was that. weird. After a while, I was thinking, when was the last time anyone shot a free throw? But in the end, I thought the Pacers, like I mentioned, used a big second half. Uh, and you even got to see your boy Terrence Ross ball out for That's a little right. bit. How did it feel? Ross coming back from an injury. He was questionable to play, I think, in that game. And he was like, oh, wait, the Pacers are on the schedule? Let me just go ahead and put my sneakers on and see if I can find some magic, no pun intended. And boy, oh boy, did he come out in that first half. I said, 
I've seen on Twitter, I wasn't able to watch a game live, and I'm looking on my Twitter and I just see all this, oh, here comes Terrence Ross, Pacers killer again. And I'm just like, Terrence Ross, please get out of my mentions, get out of my timeline. You bring me nightmares, you know. I, I root for you, but even back when he was on the Raptors, I just remember he would always torch the Pacers. It's just something mm-hmm. about that blue and gold that he sees, and his eyes just light up, and he's just unreal, Fachi. But, you know, it was great to see that dominant third quarter. I mean, just a dominant performance. And then down the stretch, T.J. Warren was hitting some huge buckets down the stretch. I mean, uh, I thought he was pretty quiet overall. I mean, he played really pretty solid the whole game, but I felt like just down the stretch, he was just hitting bucket after bucket, keeping that length, uh, that lead just too far away from the Magic. And then when he hit that pick and pop with Sabonis, Sabonis hit that 15-footer. I was like, ball game, let's go. We got this. I, I think that TJ Warren's become someone now we just expect him to just put up his, like, 18, and he's been doing it. Oh, he's yeah. been really efficient on the year. Uh, the Pacers, once again, had six players in double figures. The bench is has really gotten it together. McDermott. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit. Dougie I saw you had a tweet out there. He's averaging like 17 points per game in his last three. I mean, this is the guy that you signed at 1201. As I keep saying, you, you know, all the time, it's like that's who we were looking for. But we were looking for a shooter. Point, I know, but but not we wanted McDermott. But exactly. But I'm saying we were hoping you could have some consistent games, and he's right. been consistent lately. But we had to touch on that Sabonis stat line. Yeah. 21 points, 16 boards, 7 assists, 3 straight games with 6 assists or more. I mean, Sabonis is he's looking like on, a sensation. The, on fire. the dude is on fire, and you will hear us dive into a little bit more Sabonis uh, conversation in depth with Zach Noble in the next segment. So I uh, don't want to spoil too many of our good uh, tidbits there, but I, I think it's safe to say that what we're seeing from Sabonis right now is uh, – is setting up something really positive for him in the future, whether it's with the Pacers or if it's on a different team. I think he is a top – what what would you rank him at, Fauci? That's a good question. I, I haven't really looked at all the centers, but, I mean, he's got to be top 15, top 20 right now at the least. Of just centers or to centers. overall players? No, not overall. Good grief. No way. Oh, I'm not oh, exactly no, he, here on the Pascal Siakam hot takes. But. Yeah. No, no. But he is, <laughs> he is definitely in the top 15, without a doubt. I mean, also, if you just want to go, if you were just going to go by averages, I mean, you're talking about a guy put up 20 and 13 on 52% shooting, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just, it's career highs across the board. Even for, if you want to go by big men and then assists, I mean, Sabonis is that. I think it's four and a half assists per game right now. I mean, there's really, he's doing pretty much just about everything. Want to see that three ball a little bit more, but you know, at the same point, hey, do do what you do best. Did you see so, the Pacers which, are ranked in three point shooting right now? Yeah, last, dead right? last, yeah. dead it, last, it's, and it's, they're still there. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, it, they're actually shooting less threes than last year, so that was bad. Um, but I was just digging up a couple numbers just uh, across the board. The Pacers, in terms of given the injuries that they've had. You know, no Turner, Lamb, Sumner, Goga, no Oladipo. They're actually averaging more scoring, more rebounding, more blocks than last year. So kind of impressive given the the lack of healthy bodies we've had out there. So I'm feeling pretty good about if this team can come together and be healthy. uh, I think that we're going to be looking at a much better Pacer team. It's just how many games are we going to have everybody together for? Well, can we, can we dive back in just to close the segment out real quick and, and talk about who you think 
just off the top of your head, like centers that you would rank above Sabonis right now? Uh, I off mean, top of your head, Embiid, Jokic, the, Drummond, maybe. Uh, you, uh, what about well, Drummond? Definitely. Uh, I, I, you could give Drummond that because his rebounding is just ridiculous, right. and he's actually he's had some good games, even moving the ball also. But I just think I don't know. I think Sabonis is more talented than Drummond. I think Drummond's a force maybe. in the paint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More skilled, I would say. But yeah, yes, that, a, that, exa- that's exactly. That's a more tough one. skilled. Uh, then obviously Carl Anthony Towns, you gotta gotta put him in there. Yeah, he's the center technically. That's correct. Yes, what about Miles? Yes. What about Miles Turner? Do you think that he's better than Turner, or do you think they're about the same? What do you think I'm gonna say? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to drag Turner through the mud, but one guy has improved in every category year after year, and one guy has not. All right, all right. I won't dive too much into that, but uh, we want to keep our fans happy. But. Uh, Anyway, so there's some other guys. Steven Adams is a questionable player. Uh, when he's fully healthy, he's pretty darn good. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody I'm, else. I'm putting Sabonis above him. Yeah, he's probably more above. skilled, like we've mentioned. He is um, more skilled. You know, I, I really think Sabonis is argue, is probably a top ten top ten center in the NBA. I mean, uh, I believe so. It's it's. I, I, look, it's I'm tough not trying because to... you got Anthony Davis playing center some. You've got Chris Topps playing center some. So it's. You know, trying to compare those kind of players, but if you're looking at strictly centers, I mean, Rudy Gobert's got to be better than him as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's tough, man. But I think he's probably top ten right now. I I think so. I mean, he's just outside the top five in rebounding right now. Actually, he's tied for fifth right now in rebounding. He's averaging over twenty points per game. Which, if you look at some of the other guys in that top five, uh, I think only Drummond Drummond's at twenty. Uh, other than that, no other rebounder is averaging over uh, 13. Well, averaging in the top five of rebounds, like 13 rebounds. It's only Drummond. There's yeah. no other center in there. So I'm scrolling through Sports Illustrated's top 10 real quick, or top 100 uh, real quick. And they have, so far, Clint Capella, Miles Turner, um, Nikola Vucevic. I'm trying to see if there's Marcus Saul. They have better than him. Steven Adams, they have ranked higher than him. Um, keep going. Chris Stops, if you want to consider him a center. Andre Drummond. Um, I'm in the 30s now, so bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through. I don't know why I'm wasting my time doing this, but you get the point. I mean, there's there's guys that I think that they ranked before him before the season started that I think would be reversed now if they could really do it over yes. again. Yes, so, there would. There would. All right, we're going to get out of the way now. We're going to let you guys enjoy our segment here with Zach Noble from the Four Seasons Show. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. All right, joining us right now on the Setting the Pace podcast is our good friend from the Four Seasons Show. You guys can check him out on Twitter, at Zach Noble. Zach, what's going on, man? Guys, happy to be here and uh, excited for your Pacers. They're finally streaking a little bit. They're they're trending towards the right direction and uh, got some weird. It's just been a weird season for you guys, but uh, I actually got a competitive team of my own, so I'm kind of excited with the Timberwolves as well. Yeah, Zach, you got to be pretty happy right now because I know one of the guys who's actually been pretty positive this year is Andrew Wiggins. What are your thoughts on Wiggins right now? 
Yeah, so that's been one of the biggest debates is, like, can you jump on the Wiggins trainers at too early? And people have seen this type of production from scoring-wise in the past, and um, it's just going back and forth. But if you're really watching Andrew Wiggins, uh, you understand that this is this this go around is really different, and I, I'm completely bought in. I've been one, I've been a skeptical person, but I've always been a believer in the past. So Wiggins kind of um, basically his first three years of his career was trending upwards. That's where he promised all this money. He said he'd get better to the owner, and then Jimmy Butler and Rose came away, pushed him to the corner, and started declining. This year he comes in, brand new coach. Um, finally, somebody. He's getting along with. He's gotten used to. We told him he's going to be the main focal point of this offense outside of Carl Towns, and gave him basically the keys to the franchise and said, "It's your your job to screw this thing up." So <laughs> Wiggins busted his butt in the off season and worked worked extremely hard. And I mean, the videos were actually there this year to show otherwise. And on the court, I mean. Yes, Wiggins has had 10-game stretches, five-game stretches in the past of, of being good and being really good. He's had The guy's had eight 40-point performances throughout his career, but this year he brought a whole new pack to the bag this offseason, and he's taking smarter shots is the big thing. His scoring just isn't 16-plus um, two, two uh, feet. Uh, two pointers, I guess, is what I meant. Was trying to say there. He's he's being a very versatile scorer. He's getting to the rim more than he has in the past couple of years. More so back to his third season where he had the most success. Um, he's becoming a better passer, better playmaker. He just looks completely different, and he's really on a mission. You can just see it in his face. It's not like. Um, it's not like the guy that's just happy to be there, that Andrew Wiggins, the go-lucky guy, um, happy to be out there. But he's more so he, – he's got this faith that he, he really is acting like he belongs, and he's trying to prove that. Well, the real question here for you, Zach, is how bad do you wish the Minnesota Timberwolves were in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I'm so jealous of you guys, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> well, I, mean, I think like... if we were in the East, we could be a top three seed maybe right now. Well, I mean, the expansion is in the making. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around about it recently. Now, I know you guys create a lot of those rumors on your show, the Four Seasons show, because you want a team in Kansas City. But if that is the case, you know, if we get a team out in Seattle and maybe somewhere like Las Vegas or even Kansas City, I mean, there's going to be two teams that are going to be vying to get into that Eastern Conference. And do you really believe Minnesota could be one of those teams? Yeah, no, that's a great question. and I, I definitely think I, I, I could see it. I mean, we've been uh, – I mean, it, I've, I've heard rumors in the past where they could push us east. We're right down the middle in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So it would be a fun little division we could create with Indiana and Milwaukee, what have you. Yeah. I, I think it would really be between Minnesota, Memphis, and then probably New Orleans. But I kind of like New Orleans down there in the Texas division there in the Western Conference. Where where do you guys see if the Timberwolves were in the East right now? Where do you could see them lying? I mean, I think Towns would actually for sure be sticking around for a lot longer. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd say three to six, just depending on what else they get around okay. them. I was thinking right around four. All right. Okay. I can, well, let's I can handle that. Let's talk about that Eastern Conference now a little bit and. 
you know, you mentioned the Pacers off air. We're, we're playing a little bit better. So uh, what have you seen from the Pacers so far this season, and especially this last little seven-game stretch where there's winners of six out of seven? So I think the Pacers have to be one of the most fun teams to cover right now because you don't know what you're, you're getting, really. I mean, it's just been a mixed bag all year, and um, just it, it feels like I've, I've watched my fair share of <coughs> Wow. Sorry, overcoming a cold over here. Uh, <laughs> but I've uh, I've probably watched ninety percent of the Pacers, and uh, I just I like what they have personnel wise. I just I, I'm not sure what they're doing necessarily offensively outside of Sabonis. Um, I, I love what he's got going. I love what Brogdon. They're your your staples right now. Your stability and it's just getting everybody as a cohesive unit. Um, the defense has been the weirdest thing. I mean, yeah, losing. Uh, uh, Turner and then Oladipo here and there and um, trink, uh, messing with these lineups a bit and bringing in guys that uh, like T.J. Warren isn't the greatest defender in the world or hasn't been, but he's, he's coming around. Um, so it, that's been the biggest question mark for me. As like I thought they'd be a good defensive team yet right from the get. Um, just Nate McMillan and developing those habits early. Uh, it's it, it's been interesting. So uh, they've been one of the most interesting teams to watch, and I've loved watching Sabonis and Brogdon's progression for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just ten games into the season, people's imagination can run wild. But this Pacers team—they're right. coming together. They've won six of seven, but the injuries have been nonstop. We're playing about half right. a roster right now. What do you think the real potential of this team can be once you add back Oladipo? Miles Turner, you know, Goga comes along. Jeremy Lamb's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. What's the real end game for this Pacers team? Where could you see them ending up? Yeah, did you guys see, was there a report that came out on Oladipo today that he's going into the G League soon to get started? Or No, it's not really the G League. What it is is the G League is in Indianapolis for a practice today. So Victor ran full court with him five on five, and then they're recalling him quote-unquote, to come back. So it's kind of a silly transaction that got a lot more headline than it really needed. So and not not that big of a rehab, just a little bit of a step into the right process. Dang, so we're still thinking probably a month out yet? Uh, I would think that's so. That's what I would guess, yeah. Okay, and in that regard, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for this team to reach their potential. You need your best player, and that hasn't reached his full potential or even – close to it in my estimation i'm a huge oladipo guy and um if he comes back and it's been amazing that's been one of the biggest storylines around the nba is guys recovering and coming back looking like a hundred percent pretty early from injuries like chris Stapps porzingis um is the one that sticks out more than anything and there's a couple others to go along with it but um it, it all depends on how quick oladipo comes back but um i'm not worried about turner just jumping right back into things and um, being even better. Uh, I just, uh, the question marks are still out of here. The jury's still out. It's been too long on the Turner Sabonis thing. And now Warren, I think, is mixing things up a little bit. And I would love for Gaga to get uh, more minutes for sure. Uh, but uh, with that said, I mean, I, I think they can be, I think they can be a top three team um, if they reach their full potential. And, I think they're an Eastern Conference Finals contender. I'm not willing to say they're a NBA Finals contender yet. I think there's only two of those in the East right now, and um, that's Philly and Milwaukee. I think 
Boston's getting really close to that, but um, I, I just, I need more depth in this Pacers team. And like, I'm just, uh, jury's still out for me on Edmund Sumner and Jakar Sampson and Aaron Holiday <laughs> being guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I like, I, I believe, I believe in everybody else they got going on there. And it's just, yeah, I, I need more of that. I need more of their depth. I think if you watch Goga play a little bit uh, once he gets back from this concussion injury that he's been dealing with for the last couple of games, I think you'll really enjoy his play as a as a big man, you know, European center. I think he's got a lot of potential. Defensively, his numbers have been really good this year. Offensively is where the numbers haven't been great, but if you watch him on the court, you'd feel like it's opposite, in my personal opinion. Uh, I feel like he's out of position a lot on pick and rolls and stuff like that. But I want to get back to Sabonis here because during the Pacers' Recent three-game winning streak, he's averaging 17 points per game, 15.7 rebounds, and 6.7 assists, all at playing the center position. And now the big argument around here is, are you Team Sabonis or are you Team Turner? And, you know, it's pretty mixed right down the middle, I would say. I mean, there's a lot of truthers for both Sabonis and or Turner. Now, there's some that are diehard Pacer fans that think they'll both work out, but what is your take on these two? Do you think this can work out long-term? And if it doesn't, who would you be more willing to trade if you were given the opportunity. Alex, you you know this just as much as anybody that uh, I've been team Turner forever. And uh, this is, I can honestly say, I mean, I'm not one to overreact and annoy players too quickly, but I've always believed in Sabonis. I loved him coming over on that trade. I loved him in the draft. I was high on him in the draft. But um, just from the, the play and the Pacers and their production the past few years, it's been Turner for me. Uh, but now this start of the season, these first 10 games, I'm very close to jumping ship and being all over Sabonis. <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's, it's so tough. I mean, it is that big of a, big of a thing. I think Sabonis is showing that he, he's got a higher ceiling right now. I, I, I truly believe that. Um, and that's from an all around game standpoint. I think, uh, Sabonis can almost be a, second or third best player on a championship team, especially even from an offensive standpoint, where Turner is a complimentary piece, and I think he's always going to be one. Um, not re- willing to even put like a title on um, how good Turner can be anymore, really. Um, I just think we know what Turner's going to become, and I think he can be, well, sure, he can maybe add a couple more points to his game and uh, a couple more rebounds, and uh, his percentages can go up, and but I don't, I don't think it's going to be anything drastic in any of those categories by any means. But um, he's just—he's a great player, and he's an anchor for a defense, and he's a—he's a fit everywhere. That's the thing with Miles Turner. Like every team needs Miles Turner, where Sabonis—I mean, it, the fit has to be there as well. Um, so that—I mean, it, it all comes down to really the organization and. Well, who the, who they think is here for the long term and the rest of the team? Uh, you think are, are they one hundred percent sold on Goga? I think so. Uh, yeah. I, it's only a few games into the season, but he's he's looked pretty impressive for a rookie. He's, he's the cheaper route, is what I would say, because if you are going to keep oh, three course. centers, you know, you don't want to be paying them whatever you know nineteen plus eighteen for Turner, nineteen for Sabonis, and uh, three for Goga. So I mean, that's quite a bit of money wrapped up into one position. So. Yeah, I mean, I know that Sabonis and Turner are both starting, but I would say that they do believe highly in Goga, especially they like his rim protection and his ability to stretch the floor, similar 
to Turner. Yeah. So that's kind of why I'm not sure what what route they're going to take, but they are pretty high on Goga. You know, it's, Zach, it's so go for it. I was going to say, when you mentioned potentially jumping shit, this boat has not sailed yet, and we still have seats available. <laughs> so we got room for you on this Sabonis ship, because I'm telling you right now, he continuously improves across the board right. every single year that we still don't know what his endgame potential is. And right now, I got just a little hypothetical question for you. You know, Brogdon and Sabonis have been the players that have really improved this year for the Pacers. And I was just curious, who do you think makes the All-Star team first out of those two? Brogdon. Yeah. Brogdon. Okay. I mean, it's close. it's closer than I think. It is. It's closer it is. than I think. But, yeah, I just – I didn't think Brogdon would have this big of a jump this quickly. Um, I thought he, he can definitely become this player that he is, and I think he's got a lot further to even go. But, uh, yeah, I, for, especially for being 27 years old. Like, I, I, I'm a guy that doesn't – I think age is overrated. Um, and people in the NBA and around the league, I mean, they overrate age all the time. Like, 33 is super old now. You can't have that guy in your team. Get rid of him, that sort of thing. Like, no, I'm not for that at all. And uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I, yeah, he should be an all-star this year. No, I completely agree. And here's what I'm going to say about the Sabonis, you know, just uptick in production. For me personally, it's like, you know, I know last year he was coming off the bench and going against second-unit centers, but you also have to remember he was playing with second-unit players. Um, imagine running a pick-and-roll mm-hmm. with Corey Joseph compared to Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, the, the uptick in value for – and talent for, for Brogdon over Joseph is huge. And then you've got guys like T.J. Warren surrounding him. And when fully healthy, you'll have Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, these are just a lot better players than, you know, the young rookie in Aaron Holiday, you know, uh, Doug McDermott's, those yep. kind of players who are who are role players in today's NBA, but they're not starters on a, a playoff team. And I think that's that makes a huge difference. Plus, the minutes are going from like 25, 27 to – 35-37, and that's by necessity because the Pacers have been with no center besides Sabonis the last couple of games. So, you know, uh, I don't want to harp on Turner because he's only only played three games this year, and that was when the Pacers looked terrible. I don't think it's all Turner's fault, obviously, but they've got to figure out something. I don't know if these two can play together, but if they do bring Turner back once he's fully healthy, I would seriously consider playing him at the four position, letting him guard fours, and keep Tur- uh, Sabonis in that five mm. position. I just think that it puts him in a better spot. Wow. And know you like Turner's rim protection. Everybody talks about that. But I, I think that I'd rather have Turner's, you know, perimeter defense keeping guys from getting to the basket instead of letting Turner or Sabonis get beat all the time off the dribble. So let me ask you this. How, how would you like them to play together offensively more? Oh, I, I would usually basically use Turner as a spot-up three-man. I, I know that sounds terrible, but I think run the offense through the pick and roll <laughs> or the dribble bad. handoff with Sabonis. But – it's yeah. uh, Turner is just not a post player. He's a pick and pop guy, and I think he's easier to defend. Sabonis can pick and pop and pick and roll. And my my thing that's really been hitting me recently is the Pacers lost all their toughness pretty much when they traded Thaddeus Young. Uh, you know, Sabonis has a little right. bit of nasty to him still. If you if you trade Sabonis, there is not one dog on this team that is full of nasty. I mean, even Corey Joseph Thank had a you. little bit of nasty in him. And, and if you don't, this team's going to be so soft and, and, and mentally, yep. you know, fine. But, you know, Brogdon and Oladipo, they're fine players. But you need someone that's going to be a little bit tough and nasty in the paint. And I don't think Turner is the guy to do that. 
What about what about Aaron and Justin Holiday? You don't think they have any dog in them at all? Maybe Justin, not Aaron. <laughs> yeah, not Aaron, okay. not Aaron. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that's the only. You're right, and that's huge for this team the way they've played in the past, and um, it's amazing the difference that Young can make there. But I, I, you guys kind of talked me into this, honestly. I mean, for the Pacers, I'm leaning towards Sabonis. Um, I'd probably say that I'd, I'd go that route. Plus, I truly think. I mean, if they do a deal sooner than later, they can get more for Turner. Um, just because, like I said, more teams I think need Miles Turner versus Sabonis. Uh, I mean, the, the value should be pretty close. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a lot lot more. I just think there would be more teams interested. So, I don't know. I, I, you definitely can get depth So when you have three great options at the big man position and whose potential is, is a lot. So, I, I think they're definitely a trade candidate there. Uh, of course. I mean, they really wanted to see if Turner and Sabonis could play together this year. The three games together is such a small sample size that you got to wait and see, you know, if it really will work or not. But I do think in terms of Miles Turner's value, I think this is the pivotal year if you were going to trade him where his value is still very high because he has not continually, you know, grown in terms of a scoring standpoint or rebounding. The shot blocking has always been there. Three-point percentage has gotten better, but I think this is the year where his value is still very high, where if you're going to look at a trade, it would have to be probably around that all-star break draft time. Right. Well, you know, there was a trade rumor that was going around New Orleans that I put on my Twitter. Uh, David grew up a good <laughs> friend of the show, and he came he, he came in my DMs and was like, hey, man, so a lot of fans are calling in, proposing – you know, uh, Etwan Moore, J.J. Redick, and a first-round pick for Miles Turner. I threw that out there to get fans' reactions, expecting them all to be absolutely not terrible trade. And you were like the first one that commented on that within a matter of minutes. So you are, st- you said you are now in Team Sabonis camp, which is which is great to hear. But if, if you're going to trade Miles Turner, what do you think the Pacers should be looking for in return? Um, uh, you know, as far as value or as players, or, or what what do you think they need to get to be a pretty fair trade? Yeah, so honestly, it's not necessarily a specific type of player or position. <clears throat> Sorry. I think it's more so just equal value. And that's where I'm at. Like, I, I truly think that it's like get something that has – like untapped potential. Get a well. What's your what's your equal value? Pick. Give me an example. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you're going to try to make a deal with New Orleans, I mean, Josh Hart would be a great pickup. I, I'd like him on this team. <laughs> I don't That's think it. he makes equal value there. But if you got Josh Hart, JJ Redick, and a first round pick, that would be pretty good. Um, like an unprotected pick. Yeah, I, and see, that's I, I think we're I think we're really close there. Yeah, I, I think the the thing with the Pacers though is like they don't have a lot of big men, so that'd really be making their front court thin in that trade for me personally. But I kind of get the idea, and you know, Kent Sterling, who is a uh, he had a former radio show here in Indianapolis. I don't know if he saw as a podcast or not, but he was coming back and saying basically, if the pick is unprotected and New Orleans misses the playoffs, and you have a chance of getting a top five pick, this is worth it because. Okay. Who knows what Turner is going to end up being, and this pick and this draft could be much more valuable than whatever Turner becomes. Yeah, what about just like Lonzo Ball? <laughs> yeah, 
Ah, <laughs> uh, we're uh, right. We're good at point guard now. Brogdon <laughs> is the real deal, right? Well, I think Lonzo can yeah, play off the bench. I, I think that you could kind of play him like Justin Holiday, one through three, and just be him. Try to make him a defensive specialist. I mean, that's kind of what I would do with him if they traded for him. Yeah, you need a lot more than just Lonzo Ball. I'll tell you that. But, oh yeah. Um, I, I'd rather have Turner than Ball, which my Ryan, I would definitely say I'm crazy there. He's still super high on Lonzo. <laughs> um, Man, throwing, throwing darts out right here, throwing shots at Ryan. <laughs> if they were going to make a yeah, I was gonna say if they were going to make a move for a power forward, someone who I don't know would become available, but who I love is John Collins on the Hawks. <laughs> I think would be uh, that would be. See, just, I don't see the Pacers who, doing that after he just got the PED. Well, Sorry, that, yeah, but. now, but I'm just saying in general, player like John Collins is who I wanted in the draft a couple oh, of years man. ago, and the Pacers passed him up. And TJ Leaf, just, everybody, TJ Leaf. <laughs> That let that sink in because that one hurts. But <laughs> now you're now you're getting Collins me aroused over here, Fossey. I'm getting riled you're up. Getting, you're getting me. You're getting me going. John Collins is my guy, and uh, Love I definitely think I think you need to give up a lot more than Miles Turner for oh, John. Oh, Collins. Oh, it's not it's but, not happening. But that's the kind of guy where I'd be right. just salivating. Well, what about a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's had a little bit of a rough patch here in Orlando? Like you see good moments, you see bad moments. I mean, kind of similar to Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota is kind of how I feel about Aaron Gordon. I think there's potential, but right. what is his max potential? And do you think he'd that's, be a that's better? Closer to, that's Okay. See, I would, I would really be intrigued by that trade just because I like the floor spacing, and I feel like if he got around the right coach, and not nothing against Clifford, but I think uh, a different coaching staff, uh, a lot better players around him with Brogdon, Oladipo, Sabonis, I think he could be a lot better of a player. Yeah, or you guys could go get Bamba and have a uh, guy that untapped potential, and <laughs> yeah, we need start back center. over from scratch. <laughs> Yeah, an- another center is just what this team needs. But while we're on the subject of Mo Bamba, Zach, what do, what do you think? Is Mo Bamba ever truly going to be able to get the opportunity to really develop? Because, I mean, he was so highly touted coming out of the draft where it looked like he was going to be one of the next centers. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely not giving up on him by any means. I mean, he's the dude's, the dude's not getting an opportunity right now. They're just not exactly. giving him a chance. And, th- and that's because they're struggling, and that's because – they got seven other players that um, can play one, two through five essentially, and they just—it's a cluster over there. Like they have no idea what's what's going on offensively, and that's why they've been struggling. You got—they need shooting more than anything. I mean, he's—he's he's a top trade candidate, and his value is going down like crazy if they don't get him on the court sooner than later. Um, that's for sure. But I, I, it's driving me nuts because. I want to see what he's got. I, he's a guy that a lot of teams out there would love, and I think he could be great in Orlando. I think him and Vooch could play together. Him and AG could play together. But it's, he's a guy that I, I want him to start sooner than later for somebody. Uh, bring him. I'd love him in Minnesota next to Towns, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean the wing the wingspan is through the roof. <laughs> I mean it, 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 it's it's just I I just think as you mentioned before so much untapped potential that you got to get him on the court and Hashim to be 2.0. You heard it here first. Ah uh, no. Hashim to be. Oh come on. <laughs> Never that. 
I don't I don't ever really see it with him. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm not the biggest fan. I I think his touch is much better. I mean, just regardless, like already. I mean, the beat oh. man. I, yeah, <laughs> no, that was that's my extreme, way back extreme, and I, extreme take. I was trying to be as right. on fire. One in, one in doubt, he's a seems to be one in doubt. Exactly. And any big man who's slow, you you just take it off. That, that's that seems to be right or there. Just never that got moved. Hype. That got moved a about his four type career. Maybe get traded to a different team, change his body, and game a little bit. Who knows? Hey, Jaleel's I, I, gonna be an all star this year. Watch out! <laughs> I don't know about that, but he's playing good for the Pelicans. Exactly. He's managed to rebound uh, from from a, a rough couple of years over there but uh that's good to see because zach i know you're a big 12 guy just like myself and mo bamba when he was at texas it, it really oh, looked like this guy had a ton of potential yeah no absolutely i mean who's your school in the big 12 I oh no west virginia oh lord Mountaineers. oh that's no i knew that i'd have to i was gonna look at your bio yeah i knew that i knew oh, that. You, you in kansas that that's our rival oh man right. it's uh it, it's tough. Your guys' reign has been quite impressive. Um, but hey, as a little transition, you know, someone who I know that you've been raving about this year, who's really taken a step forward, Devontae Graham. He, I think he's really taken a big step forward. Who's maybe one or two other players that you've seen really step up this year that NBA fans might not be noticing? Um, so, I mean, Jonathan Isaac, he's, he's a guy is defensively, I mean, he's, He's up for defensive player of the year already, in my opinion. He's that good right now. Uh, he, the dude gets his hands on everything. He'll block, he'll block. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. Deflections, he's right there as well. Uh, and his offensive game is just slowly coming along all around, passing, playmaking. It's just been fun growth to watch. It's just he's in a bad system to develop offensively, so it's taking more time. But, I mean, it's perfect for his defense. Um other guys, uh, Ricky Rubio is, has been really impressive out of, out of nowhere. Like a three-point shooting came along, and um, mostly, I mean, we're talking about that today. And uh, mainly, I think it's just because playing with Devin Booker, who's great off ball and doesn't um, take control of the ball as much as Donovan Mitchell or like Zach Levine did um, in his time playing with those guys. So it's a, it's a match made in heaven for Rubio as well. Um, other than that, guys who've had great booths. I mean, I've, I've talked about Brogdon. Uh, who else? I mean, it, it's so many guys right now. Um, I mean, there's Trey, there's Cat, there's Ingram. It, it's crazy. What, like, what this, about the Phoenix Suns? Just... Anybody out there catching your attention? Yeah, Rubio. Ricky Rubio, but. Yep, and uh, I mean Kelly Obre. I mean he's he's getting much better, and then uh, also Aaron Baines. He's having a career year just out of nowhere, and it's it's funny because everybody just wants to rush to oh Booker is playing out of his mind right now. No, Booker's just been honestly the same player, but he's improving defensively. This team is literally where they're at because of Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines. I kid you not. That is kind of a strange thing. Who would have thought that DeAndre Ayton getting suspended would actually be a good thing for the Phoenix Suns? And, I mean, the same could be said about the Pacers. Right. Miles Turner going down with an injury. Oh, sorry. That's a touchy subject there. But, yeah, uh, right. 
But I uh, just, <laughs> just want to tie it up here real quick. You know, you mentioned the Pacers. You think they have uh, a ceiling of the third seed. And I don't remember where you had them at exactly in your preseason ranking. I thought it was like sixth or seventh. But, I mean, do you still think that the Pacers will finish where you pre- predicted them before the season? Or do you think that they really do have the potential to reach that ceiling? Yeah, you're right. I think I had them right there at like six or seven. Uh, but uh, they're at six right now, so I'm looking pretty good. But uh, Oladipo, if he gets back in a month here and gets uh, close to 100% by January, I mean, I see this team honestly finishing top five. Uh, it's just tough who's moving down. That's when I look at these standings, it's like, who's moving down? I don't I don't see the Bucks losing much without Middleton. I really don't. I think I like their depth enough. Um, Giannis is just leveling up once again. Uh, Boston, I think, could go down a bit without Gordon Hayward. Uh, they're, they got they got rookies. They got guys that can come out of the woodwork. But I don't I don't see them staying at, at one for the whole year, uh, especially with Gordon being down here. So I mean, maybe they can get to four. Uh, the Raptors were the team I wasn't as high on as everybody, but I said, like Neither I said at the I. beginning, I said, right, yeah, you're right there with me. I said three through nine is pretty interchangeable, though. Like, <laughs> it won't surprise me wherever anybody fits. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really like the Pacers' chances right now, and um, if Embiid plays only 50 games, who knows? I mean, it, it all depends on what the – Sixers look like for the Pacers because we know we know what the Bucks are going to be. We really do. I mean, they're the one team that's like concrete where everybody else has a long ways to go. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. That's uh, this is going to be a very competitive Eastern Conference. And uh, once again, we feel bad for you being in the West, but uh, what are you going to do about that? (laughs) We don't feel bad. I want towns out of the East. You think he's going to head east after that? I don't know. The Pacers can make a trade for him if he requests one. We'll give you, we'll give you Miles Turner and Aaron Hall. That'd be pretty fair value. I'm trying to think if the Pacers even have a trade I would accept for town. Uh, yeah, I mean, Brogdon, Oladipo, Sabonis. Yeah, I think that would be a trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we wouldn't uh, trade we any of those for to hang up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would be interesting, though. I think that they could get maybe something done, but I, I think the other teams might have more to offer uh, for a modern style of basketball. God, I mean, yeah, I just – Towns plays with so much pace right now, and he's just on a tear. His motor's just cranked up, revved up. Like, and he's playing He's playing pissed off this year. That's the best part. Like, that's, that was the biggest adjustment. Like, Towns just doesn't care what anybody's – feelings are right now he's just going out there he's looking like uh toned down kg we'll say <laughs> with, with, with range yeah uh, that sounds pretty good pretty good i mean if he's pretty much the best seven footer uh three-point shooter maybe ever right uh, he's on pace to be obviously there's dirt but i'm saying like right. guys his age at his size have not been able to display that skill set that early on Hey, we're missing we're missing threes at a historical rate too. I mean, we've had two or three of the top like five games all the time of most missed threes in a game. Whew. Well, hopefully those things improve. I, I would really like to see the Wolves uh, back in the playoffs, but uh, a, a lot to be determined. Next seventy. I just plus made games. a ma- 
I just made a huge bet with Channing Fried uh, yesterday about the Wolves making the playoffs that I'm probably going to have to pay up. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Well, hey, solid flex there. Anytime you can make a bet with Channing Fry, that sounds like a pretty good day. <laughs> all right, Zach. We got to get off here, man. So much for coming on. We thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon, uh, especially when trade deadline comes around, because I know that you are full of trade ideas in your head. You got it, man. I love talking trades. And keep up the good work, guys. I love the meta interview, and you guys are killing it. Keep it up. Thanks a lot, Zach. Appreciate it. Yeah, later. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, you know what that means. It is time for our fantasy recap from the previous week. I don't believe this included the Oklahoma City Thunder game, but it includes uh, four previous games before that. So, Fachi, can we get an update, please, on the fantasy scores? Well, after the recent week, I got to say things are not looking too good for the ferocious Fachis. Uh, it was not quite our week. The Galvanizing Goldens. Put together a pretty good week, I must say. Obviously, not having Miles Turner, Jeremy Lamb, and Edmund Sumner did hurt the squad. Oh, here but, we go uh, with the excuses. Hey, 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 it is what it is. We've got to play with what draft. we have. Learn how to draft. Yeah. Uh, you can't prepare for injuries. But uh, <laughs> last week, the Galvanizing Golden scored 353.5 points. It In one down. week? In one week. And the Ferocious Fachis, 196.5. Not a good week. I will say we are keeping consistent. We had been right around 198.5. Got a little worse, actually. It sounds like the fumbling Fachis. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. How long have you been cooking up that one? <laughs> that just came to me, my brother. But you gotta, you got to believe that the uptick in minutes for TJ McConnell, Sabonis back. Lamb, Turner, Sumner, your roster is depleted, man. Yeah, they really are. I did get a did get a couple points at Alize. That pick was not going to waste. Uh, however, <laughs> but I'm getting however, a Jakar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was looking at it. Uh, so Jakar actually had a solid week for you, thirty eight point five. Okay, it's TJ Leaf only with thirteen. Yeah, TJ Leaf. Shockingly enough, I want to transition here, Fachi. So the Pacers. Just completely spanked the Oklahoma City Thunder, 111 to 85. Um, you know, no starter played more than 32 minutes, where they've been averaging about 38 close games. So good to see that the most minutes logged was 31 by T.J. Warren and Aaron Holiday, both starters. A lot of that was junk time for Aaron Holiday, but you know, uh, you look at the box score, the plus minuses. I don't like to look at them too much, but pretty fascinating that in uh, significant minutes, T.J. Leaf was still a minus two. <laughs> You're talking about minus two and a 26 point win. That's terrible. That's that's horrible. Um, you know, obviously the other guys really got in there with like two minutes to go. It's actually uh, nice to see like Brian Bowen out there. Uh, I saw him. You know, he he drew a, hit a basket and then drew a charge. charge yeah, loved, it was love nice. seeing that. The bench was hyped for that. That was cool to see. Yeah, then Nas came down and took a terrible step back three, hit the that right side of the glass. Deep a deep three that said, "I'm getting a shot up, no matter what." Yeah, it was so. it was pretty ugly. I did like TJ Lee's uh, dunk that didn't count. I don't believe, 
No, uh, it didn't. Yeah, so, but but really, the bench wasn't great tonight. Uh, McDermott led them in scoring with nine points. You had six from McConnell, two from Bowen, three from Justin Holiday, who was zero of six from the from the field, and then you got uh, three and five from Alizé and TJ. But it was really the starters once again, the big three that have been carrying this team with the injuries: Sabonis, Warren, and Malcolm Brogdon. They went a total. I believe, what is my total here? 60, 61 points? No, that's not right. I can't count it up here in my head. Yeah, that's right. 61 points from those three together. Uh, T.J. Warren led the way with 23 points. Brogdon at 20. Sabonis at 18. But my, my biggest head-scratcher of the whole entire game, Vachi, why in the world did, why in the world did McMillan put back in Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis with like seven minutes left in the game and they were up at like 20 points? I was thinking the same thing. You know, we exchanged a couple texts saying, wow, Sabonis might top his career high in rebounds, but it really made no sense for him to be no. in there, especially when he had already been banged up just a couple games ago. So that was a win where, you know, they put him back in and you're you're up over 30. Yeah. It's like, give give the young guys some run. Maybe, maybe, which, he, just, maybe he just in his eye, some rhythm. I don't know. Maybe, but at the same point, you got to know when, and given the injuries that we're facing, you got to know when to take guys out. And protect him. Yeah, so I want to just give my condolences to Tyler Snyder, who has to try and figure out a good, bad, and ugly for this column. He has been assigned the post game, and he texts me. He's like, bro, I have no idea what to write about the bad and the ugly. So uh, hopefully if you uh, listen to this podcast before you finish writing it in the morning, you'll be able to uh, come up with some things that we just threw out there at the end, uh, specifically the, the TJ Leaf minus two or whatever. But yeah. Eh. At the end of the day, this this is a game was so brutally bad to watch. I mean, I felt bad that we couldn't record this segment earlier, but uh, it was it was ugly. I thought this would be a much closer game. It, I thought it'd be closer. I mean, look, I thought the Pacers were going to win, but I thought maybe you win by like ten, and that's what they were up at halftime. Twenty six points. At, Good grief! It, it was getting ugly out there. Um, I I honestly, from watching it, just from the eye test. Houston made the right move getting rid of Chris Paul because this is just – it doesn't – you would forget he even played tonight. Well, Chris let, me, Paul let me just throw a, this out there before you get into that little narrative there. If you're playing for a team that has no chance of going anywhere and you're in your mid-30s and they basically are wanting to trade you but nobody wants to take you uh, – you were on a team that was in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, missed it by one game after you went down with an injury, had a good chance to beat the Warriors last year as well and failed to do it. What team would you rather be on? I mean, what would motivate you to play if you're a veteran in your mid-30s? No, I mean, I, I get it. This is not – This is. I felt like he got banished to OKC when they <laughs> traded him. It was like that's where you're going to spend the rest of your remaining days – you know, it, it was it was rough because I always loved Chris Paul's game. I feel I feel firm in this situation, but Shea Gilgis Alexander was someone who I was actually excited to see tonight, yeah, and I didn't get to see good. exactly. He came into this game averaging about twenty one points per game, and uh, I think he finished with eleven on a very rough shooting percentage. So uh, I kind of hope for more uh, in that, but overall, maybe it's just credit to the Pacers defense. Well, Fachi, I hate to break it to you, but despite the 26-point win, the Pacers only made seven three-pointers. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I don't know when it's going to come. They were 7 of 23, so that was disgusting. Yeah, 30%. Um, OKC was 6 of 25, 13 of 48 combined together. Just woeful shooting from behind the arc. 
Yep, but just as I mentioned earlier, once again, we won the rebounding battle, won the turnover battle. Uh, while tonight that wasn't the biggest key, they just keep doing it. And those are just two stats. If, if you can continue to keep that up, you're going to be a winning team. Now, what's funny is that FS Indiana put a really cool graphic up where they showed you know, the pick and rolls and they showed how Turner actually has been more effective in the pick and roll than Sabonis. I think it was like 7.0 to 6.9, something like that. But what was very fascinating was they put up another graphic and it said, I don't know if you get the Fox Sports Indiana uh, uh, telecast wherever you're at, but um, no. I, I figured you, I figured you <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't. So <laughs> I they, do not. They threw up a statistic, and basically what it said is the Pacers were like a minus six in the rebound category the first three games, but they've been like a plus 8.9, or mm-hmm. it was the first three, or the first four. The last six, they've been 8.9 uh, positive, I believe is what it said. So what my takeaway from that was, not necessarily the whole, oh, uh, Turner and Sabonis out there together, but I just think that the philosophy of the Pacers coaching has been to make sure that all the wings are crashing. And you've seen that, an uptick in rebounds from our guards all over the place. And oh, yeah. McConnell. I like the fact that the Pacers are more focused about getting the ball than trying to get out and transition and leave the rebounding up to just Sabonis and Turner or vice versa, you know, uh, just our big guys. So I really like seeing that as well from, from this team overall. I think that's a good coaching adjustment. But like you mentioned, Fachi, Sabonis just cannot be stopped on the boards. I mean, 16 rebounds compared to Steven Adams' five. 11 rebounds he got rebounded by. That's unreal. It really is. I just think that, I mean, in years past, like 15 rebounds have been getting it done to lead the league. Sabonis' effort tonight is going to be right around about 13 and a half. So uh, I, this could be really a top five rebounder while also giving you 20 a night on efficient field goal percentage. It's it's crazy. It is crazy, and, you know, he doesn't even have to be the first or second option. I mean, uh, when Oladipo comes back, Oladipo can be number one. I think you can have Warren still be number two like he has been. And I think Brogdon might be okay taking a back seat, letting Oladipo kind of run the show. But uh, I'm just excited to see how teams try to defend that backcourt, uh, especially with Warren playing the way he's playing. I mean, it felt like any time he drove to the basket, he was getting separation from Sabonis' screen and then just hitting floater after floater after floater, tossing in shots that I didn't even know he could make. But uh, all in all, I was just really pleased with the way this game went, especially in the second half. The first first quarter was pretty ugly. Uh, second quarter was not much better, but that third quarter, once again, Back-to-back games, two third quarters just blowing them out. They yeah, they really did come out hot in the third quarter, really blew the game completely wide open, and at that point, never looked back. I mean, that fourth quarter was just, the game was over. It really was, and it was great to know that you were at ease. There was no way they were really going to be able to let up that big of a lead. So it was just great, I think, for everybody, as we touched on before, to get some of the young guys, even just their first you know NBA minutes like Brian Bowen, I, I thought that was great. It's something that they'll remember. All right, Fachi. Well, let's wrap this up here in the next couple minutes. We're going to go ahead and preview the upcoming game. So on Friday and Saturday, the Pacers have a back-to-back. They'll be traveling to Houston Friday night for their first visit against the Rockets, and they'll be coming home to face the Milwaukee Bucks. Fachi, these are two big marquee games, and the Pacers really need to get healthy, hopefully getting some guys back against these powerhouses in both the East and Western Conference. Yeah, we're talking about two of the top three scoring teams in the league. Uh, Milwaukee and Houston teams that are both averaging right around 120 
points per game. Uh, Houston will be without Eric Gordon, uh, so hopefully that evens it up a little bit. I, I do expect Jeremy Lamb to potentially be back, and Goga, I would imagine Goga could be back. Uh, seeing Goga with even like the, the earplugs or whatever it is on the sideline, you're wondering that concussion must be pretty bad. Yeah, it uh, looks like it's like noise cancellation or something. Uh, that's like what that. I think it is. Yeah. So well, uh, I'd never really seen that before. Yeah, well, and then you look at that Bucks game. That means the Pacers are coming home. Malcolm Brogdon's, you know, first game back against his old team. Wesley Matthews' revenge game coming back to uh, Bankers Live. George Hill as well. We all know how George Hill is viewed here, but uh, it's mixed feelings, needless to say. But uh, the Bucks are without Chris Middleton, the guy they paid a ton of money to for the next couple of weeks. So this could be a nice break for the Pacers. But I still think the Bucks are a talented team. They're annoying. They're pesky. But I like the Pacers' chances uh, against a team that – is going to be without their second best player. Exactly. the The loss of Middleton really makes it seem like the Pacers do stand a good chance here, and I'm excited for that. I think even if they're missing Middleton, beating the Bucks would be a very big. Uh, that's a quality win right there against the the elite in the East. Well, and I, I think the Pacers can beat the Rockets too. Like I don't think it's uh, not doable. Uh, a lot of people love what the Rockets did here. They, they're seven and three. They've been killing on an offense, but they do have, you know, a, a horrible defense. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, they gave up a hundred and how many points to the the Washington Wizards? A hundred and fifty-eight points to the lowly gutter Wizards. All right, <laughs> just an absolute trash team. Houston on the year giving up over 118 points per game. That's yeah. crazy. So that, whenever you're giving up that much, anything's possible. Right. So that's something the Pacers definitely will have a chance to uh, take advantage of. And like we mentioned all offseason long, the Pacers went out and got guys that can score the basketball. So really, really not expecting the Pacers to win this game, but it would not shock me if they get Lamb back and maybe Turner back, those two together. This is a game that I think the Pacers could win. I'll be interested to see who tries to guard Sabonis in the post. I don't think Capella's big enough to do it. I, I would be interested to see if they put James Harden on him because they like putting Harden on post players. He's pretty good at getting quick steals, but I think a couple times of that, Sabonis would figure it out. So, honestly, I'm not too worried about this team, especially how bad their bench is. I mean, the Rockets' bench is atrocious. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, even Nene is someone who's going to be out. Not that he would have made a big difference, but he's not expected to play either. And that's really where the depth of the Pacers is going to come in. Like I said, they're going to need to get either Lamb or Turner back. I don't know if Turner's going to be back, but I feel good that Lamb returns. Right, and so then Monday night the Pacers will go back to Brooklyn for their second and last time to face the Nets, and then they have a five-day break, and they don't play again until the following Saturday. So the Pacers will get a lot of rest, and hopefully, you know, if the guys aren't healthy by this weekend, the following weekend at home against the Magic, or, yeah, against the Magic, they've got a four-game home stretch there with the Magic, Grizzlies, Jazz, and Hawks. You'll start seeing guys get healthy, and we'll start to be able to see what this team projects heading into the month of December. So I'm, I'm really excited about where this team is at right now. 7-4, and four, Fachi. Seven and four. Do you know where that's at in the standings? Uh, towards the top, I believe that's probably tied for what second or third. So because right, a lot of 
Right mm-hmm. now, Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto are seven and three. Those are two through four, and then Miami is six and three. The Pacers are seven and four. So their win percentage is a slight bit ahead of the Pacers, but the Pacers are a half game back from the second seed. Exactly, and I mean, I remember people had the nerve to tweet at me when the Pacers were zero and three, asking if we were going to quote win a game this year, and I. And you want to know the worst part? One of them was a Knicks fan. Okay? Oh Lord! <laughs> exactly. You want to call so, who this person is out on the on the show? Did they listen to this? Show? It was uh, yes. It was my ex roommate from my former roommate from college. His name's Kieran. I'll have to make sure he listens to this segment specifically because I was talking a whole bunch of trash this past weekend when I saw him. Because <laughs> uh, the Knicks are on the verge of firing yet another coach. Absolutely, Fachi. Well, we have got to get out of here. You guys can follow Fachi on Twitter at F-A-C-C-I. Make sure you put an underscore before that F. I'm at Alex Golden NBA, and you can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3 and Instagram at Pacers Talk. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.